You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. In this week's lesson, Gifts and Tongues, Philip Edwards explains God is a giver and in giving us the Holy Spirit, we receive a heavenly language to fellowship with our Father and nine wonderful gifts to empower us for Christian service. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk to see all the latest news and events and the other ministries that we have to offer. And now, over to Philip Edwards for today's teaching. Two very practical things then we're going to look at this evening, that of speaking in tongues, why we should speak in tongues, the importance of it, and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's start with speaking in tongues. A mistake I've heard uh, more than once really uh, is, is people saying, and they're quoting a verse of scripture which I think is misleading, they're quoting 1 Corinthians 12 30 and the question is asked there by the the writer of that epistle, do all speak in tongues? And of course it, it begs the answer, the way it's, it's put down, it begs the answer, no. And so the people who perhaps don't want to or don't understand too clearly, they say, God doesn't want me to speak in tongues. If he did, he would cause me to do it. Uh, maybe not thinking for a moment that they have to exercise faith to do that but for some it gives them a ready excuse not to move into that realm of the supernatural so let's let's have a look at what speaking in tongues is uh, i think it's clear from scripture that the the scriptures speak of two distinct aspects of speaking in tongues there isn't just one speaking in tongues there's two aspects to it and we have to separate them out this evening so we get a full understanding of it the first aspect is when we read about people speaking in tongues in the book of acts and the second is when we read about people speaking in tongues in the 12th and 14th chapter of corinthians now what if you mix them all together it gets a little bit confusing so the the bible doesn't mix the two aspects of speaking in tongues together when we receive or exercise those gifts we don't mix them up so we should always keep them very very separate let's look then first at the book of acts in the book of acts we read of three clear accounts where believers received they didn't receive the gift of speaking in tongues they received the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to see that very clearly. Uh, in all the three accounts it says they received the gift of the Holy Spirit and as a result of receiving him they then spoke with other tongues. It appears that all who received him, the Holy Spirit, all of them spoke in other tongues. The three accounts are found in Acts chapter 2, that's 1 to 39, Acts chapter 10, 1 to 48 and Acts 19 1 to 7. In the first one Acts 2 1 to 39 it's the account of what happened on the day of Pentecost it says there were as many as 120 that were gathered in one room together the Spirit came upon them we read about this and studied a little bit last week the glory of the Lord the fire of God came into the room 
and it says they were filled with the Spirit and every one of them spoke in other tongues. It wasn't as though the Holy Spirit gave it to some and not to others. Everyone that was in that room present was able to speak and did speak in other tongues. They were all filled, the Word of God says. In Acts 10, uh, that's the account of what happened in the house of Cornelius. Peter went there to preach. He was uncomfortable preaching in the Gentile house. But what happened is the Holy Spirit came upon all the people there as he preached the gospel to them. And all of them, it says all of them again, were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit didn't just give it to some and not to others. They all spoke in other tongues. And in the third account that we can read where people were filled with the Holy Spirit and the result of being filled or receiving the person of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues, was Acts 19 where Paul is on, I think it's his third missionary journey and he's gone to the house there uh, in Ephesus and there's 12 men and he explains the gospel to them because they thought they were following the Lord but there was something deficient in their faith. They were baptized by John the Baptist but they hadn't received their full baptism into Christ. It says Paul placed, on, placed his hands on them and they spake in tongues. We can assume they all spake in tongues and says some of them prophesied. As a result of the Holy Spirit coming and entering to them, all of them spoke in other tongues. It was the result of receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. The person coming into them wanted to manifest himself in them by speaking through them. As they yielded their tongues and their vocal cords and their being to the Holy Spirit who came into them, he spoke through them. He, he, he enabled them, empowered them and uh, manifested his presence in this way. I remember a long time ago someone making a little bit of a joke of this. It's, it's not an irreverent joke. He said something like, if you get a pair of shoes or a new pair of shoes, the tongues come with the shoes. You don't go and buy a pair of tongues. You buy the shoes and the, the tongues come with it. So you understand that? It's like you receive the Holy Spirit and the tongues come with, with it. You just get them. It's, it's just what it is. So the speaking of the tongues we read about in the book of Acts is different from the tongues that they spoke in the book of Corinthians. It sounds the same and it is a language of the Holy Spirit, but it's one of the charismata gifts. It's just one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit manifests through his believers. It could be in the place of worship to minister to other Christians, or you could, you could use some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the marketplace as well. So I believe it's a mistake and a mishandling of Scripture to mix the two together, keep them separate in your studies. The accounts of Acts, separate from the accounts of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Like I said, the Bible doesn't mix them up, and we don't mix them up when we exercise them, and neither should other people. I remember clearly receiving my baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit flooding into me and me speaking in other tongues. I remember it as a very clear experience as a 17-year-old, but I also remember when I first gave a message a charismatic uh, manifestation in a church which was a gift of tongues and I spoke in tongues 
the Holy Spirit spoke through me to the congregation in the language that the Holy Spirit was in me with he spoke and then of course someone had to interpret that message to the congregation so Acts the Acts account allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you affording you spiritual benefits the Holy Spirit he comes into us and in his speaking through us he is trying to afford you benefits we're going to look at what a number of these benefits are because you think well what's the point of doing it well we'll unravel that I hope this evening and inspire you if you don't speak in tongues regularly to speak in tongues part of it is un understanding why we should do it and in the other uh, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the second talk I'm going to give we'll clearly see the manifestations of the gifts and what they're and what they're for you know everything where there's a lack of understanding um, if we don't know the benefits of why we would do something or have something um, it's very unlikely whether we'd even use it or do it so if you don't see the benefit of speaking in tongues you won't we have to have a reason for doing it we have to see the benefits of doing it before we ever do it and remember we're always we're always moving towards the natural God is always trying to to draw us towards the supernatural I, I think possibly there's a tipping point uh, where we're always uh, veering away into the natural way of doing things and God's always trying to pull us into the spiritual and so when we see the benefits of tongues we'll move ourselves a little bit more into that realm of the spiritual a non-christian would consider speaking in tongues quite pointless um, well ridiculous or even foolish I remember a lady in the church where I was ministering and uh, I don't think it was because of my lack of teaching uh, but one day I think she was at home and she started speaking in tongues we hadn't prayed for her or anything uh, she was she wanted more of God so she started speaking in tongues and it sort of frightened her so she got dressed quickly uh, to go out and she ran up and she thought I wonder what language I'm speaking in and she thought oh I'll go to the station because I think there are some Asian people working at the station and I'll see if they know what my language is so she ran up to them and she says do you know what I'm saying and so she started to speak in this tongue that the Lord had given her of course the poor man looks at her a bit weird and says no madam I don't know what you're talking about excuse my uh, slight accent there uh, I don't know what you're talking about and so uh, she went home and of course we were able to explain everything to her and and what had what had gone on there but really it is foolishness to the world isn't it that somehow you can speak in a language that you've never learnt but what's even more ridiculous you don't even know what you're saying and so you just it's it's gibberish it's nonsense because we don't listen to the world to dictate our life we look into the Word of God and we say what does the Word of God say that needs to be the director of my life if it's fine with the Word of God and the teaching from Scripture then I want it I'll do it let's have it so some Christians have dismissed speaking in tongues because they don't understand the value of it or they don't understand the significance of it so they don't do it and of course that's normal like I said unless you can 
recognize the value in something, doing something, you probably won't do it. But unfortunately, what they've done, they've deprived themselves of something because they've also influenced others as well. Uh, because maybe they're looked upon as mature Christians that um, they've stopped others. I remember going to an Alpha conference one weekend and of course part of the main thrust is to get people filled with the Holy Spirit and as many as possible to release them into speaking in other tongues. I believe that's true anyway. Uh, but we were in a sort of a teaching question thing and uh, the actual teacher over this group, there's only about 12 of us, uh, this person actually said, well, I don't speak in tongues and I don't think God wants me. He hasn't given me the gift. And I was thinking, no, you can't say that an alpha weekend away because people are going there seeking an experience of the Holy Spirit. They want to see him manifested in their lives. So anyway, that's moved on from there. I've learned not to argue too much with people these days. I've got, I've got a little bit older and wiser. Uh, so I just left it and she was leading the group and not me. So I didn't make it too difficult for her. What is the value then of tongues to the individual believer? What value is it? Because if I can convince you it's of great value, if you don't then seek to be filled and to speak in tongues and then to continue speaking in tongues, I believe it's an experience that we should have every day of our lives. A day should not go past when we don't speak in tongues because we're going to discover some of the valuable uh, benefits from doing it. Number one, it's spiritual edification. Speaking in tongues builds you up spiritually. We're body, soul and spirit and we know how to build our bodies up. We nourish our bodies, we, uh, we exercise them, we eat the right foods, we, we do all that's necessary to, to keep our strength and build our strength. And if we're ailing from something, we might take some medication so our bodies become as strong as we can possibly make them. Our souls as well, we educate or we talk and we uh, energize our soul as it were that's our our mind and our emotion we we exercise that in many ways we nourish it through friendships and sharing and talking and uh barbara obviously all those books on the wall they've nourished your soul and uh that's true of all of us as we read books as we talk to one another our minds are developed and exercised what nourishes the spirit what is it that nourishes your spirit? Because that needs nourishment. That needs to be energized. And well, the activity of the spirit is only being active when it's in direct fellowship with God. The spirit is only uh, nourished and energized when it's in direct relationship or fellowship with God. Obviously, as you read the Word of God, God can, can, can speak into your spirit. The Word of God is God speaking by the Holy Spirit into your spirit and nourishes you and can feed you. Another way that we can be nourished by the Spirit is by us responding to God through our spirit when we pray in the Holy Spirit. 
See, we can pray to God from our intellect, from our emotions, from our soul or from our mind. But God requires that we pray to him from our spirit. So speaking in tongues is an activity of the spirit, not of the mind or of the emotions, but it comes from the spirit within. Spirit, the the spirit of, of the Holy Spirit within a person, energizing man's human spirit, connecting with God the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 14, it says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Well, that's what we want to happen. We looked at this in some depth last week, didn't we, when Paul says, I don't know what to pray, but the Spirit inside me knows what to pray, so I let the Spirit pray through me. Uh, they are the best prayers that we could possibly pray. I understand you might not know what you're praying about, but at least you're praying in the will of God as you pray from, from your spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you. We went into some detail of that last week. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So speaking in tongues is your spirit speaking to God. It is you're exercising your spirit, you're nourishing your spirit, you are you're edifying your spirit, you're building your spirit up. 1 Corinthians 14 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself or profits his spiritual growth. So speaking in tongues, now we might not be able to rationalize that with our rational minds, but if the word of God says, listen, when you speak in tongues, it builds your spirit, you just accept it. We don't have to work everything out. We have to trust God with what God tells us and simply follow in obedience to his word. So every time I speak in the spirit, speak in tongues, I build myself up spiritually, my spirit is built up. A Christian who is led by his emotions, and we know that often people pray out of their emotions, they talk about God and to God out of their emotions, they make their decisions about spiritual things out of their emotions, they're what we would call soulish Christians. A Christian who's led by his appetites we'd call a carnal Christian. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, the Word of God says, are the sons of God. So we want the leading of God's Spirit. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to energize us and to speak through us and to manifest himself through us, the more spiritual, mature, nourished we become. Spiritual edification then. The second uh, aspect of uh, what it does for us is that of assurance. I'm sure most Christians have come under some sort of spiritual attack in their lives at some times where um, regarding the whole validity of their salvation, are you really saved? Is all this true? Um, how do you know that you're saved? Your life isn't perfect, you don't do all the things that God ask you to do, are you really saved? Well, I've discovered that speaking in tongues is a powerful defense against the accuser because that's who it is that has come. He's come to undermine your faith, to challenge you, to question whether you even really are 
a Christian. It says in John 14, 16 and 17, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. When Peter went to the house of Cornelius, I've mentioned that already, and he preached to them, a wonderful thing happened because he wasn't even sure if Gentiles could be saved or born again of God's Spirit. But what happened that convinced him that they were born again of the Spirit of God? Well, it's clear in Paul's argument when he goes back to Antioch to speak to them, he says, listen, what happened to us happened to them. Just as we were filled with the Spirit and spoke in other tongues, so did all those Christians in the house of Cornelius. We might not have even believed they could have got saved unless this happened. So speaking in tongues, it, it, it is an evidence or a proof that we are the children of God and the Spirit of God has come into us. Now, if you don't speak in tongues, it doesn't, I'm not saying that you're not saved. Don't, don't say that I said that. I never said that. What I'm saying is if you do, there is sure evidence that you are a child of God because those that are not of, uh, of the faith or are the children of God, they can't. The, the, the Word of God re refers to them as the world in that, that verse. The world, those outside of Christ, are not able to accept the Holy Spirit. He cannot enter into them. It says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. I know I'm going to heaven. Do you know why I know? Because God has sealed me. I have inherited something of what I will inherit in the future. I've got a down payment of it, which is the, the Holy Spirit's entrance into me. And because I speak in tongues, that is a sign that the Holy Spirit has come into me. I have received a down payment. So when you come under attack and the enemy is saying, oh, are you really saved? Just say, listen, shush, shush, Satan, listen to this. You hear that? Well, if I wasn't born again of the Spirit of God, I definitely couldn't do that. So you can get on your bike, clear off, and leave me alone, because I'm soundly born again of the Spirit of God. May I suggest that daily speaking in tongues is a preventative if you do speak in tongues day by day, the devil wouldn't even come with such an accusation. He wouldn't even come near you. And because you know the foundation of biblical teaching, he's on a loser. So, so do it. Do it as often as you can. The third thing the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues gives us is a spiritual refreshing. Sometimes the Christian walk is hard isn't it it's difficult it's uphill some i was talking to someone today and they said you know these last five years have been really difficult in my life it's as though i've been hounded all the time and it's it's wearing on me it's tiring on me 
Well, 2 Corinthians 1.8 explains how Paul, don't worry about, it's just not you. And perhaps you're thinking, well, I'm not mature enough and why am I coming under this attack? Listen what it says in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He says, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even to death. I mean, that sounds pretty desperate for the apostles, doesn't it? Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. So you're in good company if you're being uh, hounded, as it were, and, and uh, the devil's really on your case, and you're, you're feeling it's really tough just to keep going. Well, in such times, we need spiritual refreshing. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria? He said that in her, the Spirit of God would come and from her would be like a fountain, a refreshing fountain that would come and keep flowing out through her life. I believe Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit. In that passage where in John 7, remember Jesus is at a festival and he speaks about streams of living water that will flow from us. John 7 and 39 says, By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believe in him were later to receive. So there's two pictures of the Holy Spirit being like a stream or a fountain, a freshness, a, a bubbling up within, and because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to refresh us. So when things get hard, this, the secret is not to just get down in the dumps and that, but to allow the Spirit to be energized within you to refresh you and to renew you and to uh, bring energy and life to you again. The fourth uh, thing I want to look at is health and healing. The Holy Spirit is able to strengthen and to restore us physically. In Romans 8 and 11, it says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This verse tells us two activities of the Holy Spirit. One is that he reveals the hope of the resurrection from the dead. This spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit will raise you from the dead. So the spirit within will confirm the resurrection, your resurrection. And just imagine the body of Christ smashed and broken, dead in the tomb. And it says God sends his spirit into Christ and that spirit just causes the body to re-energize to all the beatings and all the wounds and everything. The spirit of God within him just puts Jesus together, as it were, and energizes his physical body and causes him to rise from the dead. Well, if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, surely that spirit can put you together Whatever, whatever is ailing and is wrong in you, the Spirit of God can energize from the inside. So if you get people to pray for you with the anointing and the anointing comes on the outside and you on the inside where the Spirit is dwelling in you, he's working on the inside as you exercise your faith and their faith so the Spirit of God is able to bring life to that body, uh, restoring health into the sick person's body so it can bring health and healing. 
The fifth thing it brings is understanding. He is able to quicken the mind, to bring insight and revelation. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I was just a bit smarter, a bit brighter, you know, no matter how smart you are, there's always someone smarter than you. I used to, I used to listen as a young preacher, you know, to listen to these other guys and thinking, they're so smart, they're so clever. And I used to read things and think, how, how have they got minds that can work all that out? But you see, we can be as smart as God wants us to be, as clever as he wants us to be. Our dependence is not upon our human intellect, but it's upon the Spirit of God. We're as intellectual as we are, but God can make the difference. You don't have to be super brilliant. God can, can bring the, the, the information, the understanding, the revelation that you need to do whatever God has called you to do. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't want to lose my marbles, excuse the expression as I get older, but the Spirit of God can help me hang on to them, to keep them, so, so my mind will be renewed every day. I will have a sound mind because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. See, sometimes we have to lay hold of these truths by faith for them to become a reality in our lives. Sometimes we think, oh, well, if God has said it, it will happen. No, he has said it, but sometimes we have to lay hold of it and do the things that God has required of us to enjoy the blessings that God has for us. Keeping filled with the Spirit gives the opportunity, the comfort it needs to forward His work in us. The Counselor lives inside of you. He wants to forward you in the purposes of God, your understanding of the things of God. And one way we can help Him to do that is to continually bring Him to the fore in our lives by speaking in other tongues. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, Be filled with the Spirit, or I believe it's in a continuous tense there, or keep being filled with the Spirit. You say, well, I was filled with the Spirit 20 years ago. Well, we will need to be filled with the Spirit continually. Every day, Lord, come, Lord, more, more of your Spirit, Lord. I don't know where it's drained away to, Lord. I don't know if it can disappear, but I need more of your Spirit energizing my life on a daily basis. We are to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in our heart to the Lord. Singing in the Spirit. It's better if you can sing, but it doesn't matter. If you can't sing, make sure you do it on your own, in the car when no one else is there. But listen, start singing songs in the Spirit. You say, well, I've never tried that. Well, try it. Just any old Christian tune you know, or any tune you know, really, and put the Holy Spirit's words in it. Let him start to flow out. And, and it's, it sounds quite pleasant in the end. We all think we can sing a bit, don't we? So, so do it. Let it go. The Word of God encourages us to do it. So our minds become energized. One of the things we're going to have difficulty controlling in our lives is our tongue. Your tongue is going to get you into more trouble than anything else in your life. Be sure of that. 
And sometimes as we get older, it might get us into more trouble. So you think, oh, I just won't say anything, but you can't get away with that. So we have to learn to master the tongue. James encourages us to control it. So some of the control, it comes down to us. There is a responsibility we take on. We want to speak encouraging words, positive words, blessings over people's lives. We don't want to get into some negative, critical, uh, destructive conversations. They're not helpful. So we can use the Holy Spirit to train our tongue. Make a daily practice of allowing the Spirit to worship and pray through you. Use your tongue to magnify God. Allow the Spirit to, to speak through, to use your tongue. Let him flow over your tongue. Let him master that tongue. David claimed that God had made his arms strong for battle. That's what he says. You've made my arms strong so I can fight. So let's say, Holy Spirit, do something with my tongue. If you can do something with David's arms, you can do something with my tongue, so my tongue magnifies and glorifies and praises and is positive and is not destructive and dangerous. Lord, I yield my tongue to your spirit. And as you pray in tongues more day by day, you probably find that your tongue is not such a destructive thing. Praying in tongues can stimulate faith. At times we, we face great challenges. Ephesians 6 and 18, this is Paul speaking about some of those challenges. And he says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Why? Why should we do this? In 6.11 it says, So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yes, read the whole context, put your armour on, Make sure you're walking in truth and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt and all of these things. But listen, don't forget to pray in the Spirit because he adds this at the end. He says, now with all the armor on, pray in the Spirit. Pray with all kinds of prayers, especially, I add this bit, especially in the Spirit. Keep calm in hostile environments. God sometimes places them. Remember, that's where he placed Jesus. As soon as Jesus received his baptism in the Spirit, he was anointed with the Spirit. It says the Spirit led him into the wilderness, there to confront the enemy. So sometimes we find ourselves in hostile environments. Maybe the company we're having to keep, we don't really like the company, or the situation in which we find ourselves is hostile. It's not very pleasant. We feel under pressure. The Word of God says we can be a sweet fragrance to those that are around us. Have you just quietly, in a difficult situation, just started speaking in tongues quietly, just quietly? And things start to change. Things change around you. Uh, the, the situation, it's the same, but you feel different in that situation. Paul and Silas, remember when they ended up in prison in Acts chapter 16. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
Paul tells us, I've already read this, we're to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Do you doubt for one minute that Paul didn't pray in tongues in that prison cell? I can't imagine that he didn't. The Bible doesn't say that he did. But listen, he says, I do it on all occasions. So I'm sure him and Silas were having a good old prayer meeting in tongues that night, praising God in other tongues. And the Spirit of God was just around them, with them and in them. And of course, mighty things happened to release them. The ninth one I've got here is to give thanks to God. Sometimes we're overwhelmed. We just want to thank God. We just want to praise him. We just, he's just so wonderful to us. We're overwhelmed. But our own language can't do it. Words aren't good enough. But the Spirit, he's just bursting to magnify the Lord, to just let him have your tongue so he will, he will say wonderful, wonderful, glorious things to God. It says that in Acts 2.11, doesn't it? On the day of Pentecost, it says we hear them declaring the wonders of God in that particular situation some of the people there although the the people speaking in tongues didn't know what they were saying some of the listeners knew they were saying and they said what are they saying what are they saying they're magnifying God in our language they're declaring the very wonders of God John 4 23 and 24 says the father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth he is seeking spiritual worshippers he's as though he's got an ear for us as we allow the spirit to just manifest himself through us in this way the last one i'd have for you is uh, when we pray and of course I, I won't go over that because we spent a long time on that last week we allow the spirit to pray through us he must because we don't know what we're supposed to be praying for and so he will come and intercede on our behalf, praying for us. I would encourage you, if you've never spoken in tongues, uh, it's, it's easy to get started. Some people make a, a, a big deal of it. Um, uh, if you're close enough to me, get me to come and sit and talk to you. Uh, I'm, I'm quite good at it, actually, uh, and you'll be, you'll be all right. I'm not boasting in myself. It's the easiest thing. It's one of the promises of God that is unconditional. It's, it hasn't got conditions attached to it. Well, the only one is you're thirsty. Well, if you're not thirsty, you'll, you won't seek it out. But if you are thirsty, you can seek it out with me. Love to spend time with you. Make sure you're fully released and uh, you're praying in tongues. If you do speak in tongues, will you, will you do it every day? Uh, do it every day and, and put the thing to the test. You know, when you get up in the morning, when you're in the car, in the bath on your own, we spend all day thinking and talking. Well, just shut yourself down a little bit and allow the Spirit to sing through you or speak through you or just allow Him, give Him the time. You're awake for so long thinking and talking. Just allow the Spirit some access into your life and feel the difference that He can make in your life. Okay, we're moving now on to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Before I teach on this, I want to share with you a very lovely story uh, from the Old Testament. It's beautiful, really, and it's full of typology regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The story is found in Genesis chapter 24, 
and it's the story where Abraham calls his servant Eliezer to him and says I'm getting old in life and I want my son Isaac to have a wife and I'm sending you on a mission to find a wife for Isaac and to bring it home. In those days we know many marriages would have been arranged and, and sorted out in that way. So this is the typology, this is the picture I think of which God is trying to portray in this. Abraham's old. He calls Eliezer, his servant, to him and he says, I don't want my son Isaac, my only son Isaac, to marry one of these Canaanite women. I want you to go back to our family home and to bring a woman from there to be his wife. Do you promise to do this? And of course, he, he swears he will do that. And he says, well, what if I can't do that? Well, he says, as long as you try, that's the main thing, basically. But God will help you as you go to do this. And so he packs up and he takes with him, well, he says he takes 10 camels loaded up. Uh, uh, it sounds a load of stuff, doesn't it, really, uh, for a man going on a mission. But there's probably lots of stuff he had to take with him. But a lot of it was loaded up with gifts for this potential bride that he would find. And so he, he sets off. He reaches the destination and he knows the town that he's going to but outside the town there's a well so he stops at the well and he, he, he takes his camels there for a drink and then he, he poses this on God really, he sets this before God. He says, Lord God show me the wife for my master's son and he says, We'll do it like this. Now, whether God inspired him to do it or he did. Anyway, this is, this is what he posed at God. He said, I will ask a woman to give me a drink, a, a woman who comes to the well, maybe one I think would be a, a suitable wife. I will ask her uh, for a drink. And if she offers to uh, give a drink to all of my camels as well, all 10 of them, well, that would have been a bit of a chore, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know much about camels. I'm of the assumption they drink quite a lot of water. So... Uh, so the woman who says, yes, she'll do that, give you a drink and then all the camels, that's the one Lord that I'm going to ask to be the wife uh, of uh, Isaac. So lo and behold, it works out just as he says, this lady comes to the well and uh, he goes to her and says, you know, all that we've said there. And she says, yes, I'll give you a drink, but I'll, I'll do your camels as well. So he's over the moon, really. He thinks, yes, God, you've done it. You've given me the answer to my prayer. And so he gives her some jewelry, a couple of pieces of jewelry as a token of what it's all about. And he explains it to her. And then he has a, a worship meeting and praises God for answering his prayer and making his mission successful, so on and so forth. Th this young lady, her name, of course you know it, is Rebecca, she takes him home to meet her father and it turns out that this family is a relative of Abraham's family and so it's all very delightful and it's all working out well and so the next day uh, he says come on let's go quick and they say oh can't she stay a week or more no he said no I've got to finish the mission and take her home so he takes her back and um, uh, Isaac has his wife in Rebecca now um, that's the story so you don't have to read it uh, but you have to read the last verse now listen to this last verse it's such a beautiful verse it says this Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married Rebecca so she became his wife 
and he loved her. Oh, isn't that wonderful? It's just like you could see a movie made of this, you know, and she's coming on a camel, and it's just, and they live happily ever after. Well, we know that's not true, but it is a lovely, lovely end to that chapter. A brief explanation of the typology, because I said it was, it was brimming with types that was indicating the gifts of the Spirit. So how does this work out? Well, Abraham, the father, we could say he represented God. Isaac, the son, represented Jesus. Rebecca, the bride, represented the church because Rebecca becomes the bride of Christ. So the church becomes the bride of Christ. Eliezer, the servant, is the Holy Spirit. And the gifts, the jewelry that Eliezer takes to the bride, to the future bride, are the gifts of the Spirit. Today, in a similar way, God has sent the Holy Spirit with abundant gifts for the bride of his son Jesus, the church. That's it. Simple typology. God has sent the Holy Spirit with the gifts to the bride to cause the bride to come to be the bride of Christ. Included in the gifts that he gives are the nine charismata gifts of the Holy Spirit. By accepting these gifts, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church is marked out. See, Rebecca, she didn't have to accept them. She could have said, no, I don't want the gifts. I don't want to go and marry. I don't want to go to a strange land and marry. But you see, by accepting them, she was marked out. And so the church is marked out by the gifts that we have received. We are committed now by receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be the bride of Christ. We must accept the gifts of the Spirit that the, the Holy Spirit is bringing to us. Now, Rebecca was kind, without a shadow of a doubt. In, in a way, she was in the right place at the right time, because we know it was also God-ordained that she should be there. And Eliezer, when he got to her, he simply gave her the gifts, first the few bits of jewellery, then everything else he had, he just gave them to her. She was, in some ways, undeserving of them. She had done nothing to attain them. She got him some water for the camels, but that was to be in line with what he prayed anyway. So she received all these wonderful gifts from Eliezer, the representative of the Holy Spirit. God has chosen you. I don't know why. I could say, well, you were in the right place at the right time. Oh, I think it was a bit more than that. I think you were ordained by God. Don't worry about that. But he has now gifted you with the gifts 
of the Holy Spirit. Just like Rebecca was given the gifts, the Holy Spirit has come to give you the gifts of the Spirit. There are nine of these supernatural gifts. There are several types of gifts in the New Testament. I'm not going to go to the other two because I think some teachers muddle them all up together and it gets very confusing. I wish people wouldn't do that. I wish they'd not muddle everything up in Scripture but keep it separate so it's a lot clearer for us to all understand. Anyway, that's just my point and my little beef about that. Never mind. Uh, let's look at these nine supernatural gifts which are the gifts of the Spirit. They're not the gifts of Christ to the church. That's the fivefold ministry gifts. And they're not the gifts of God to the church because they're the Romans 12 gifts. But these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. If we just break down this list, because there's a list of nine here, we find that there are three groups. And in a way they represent the three parts of the Godhead or the Trinity in, in a sort of a, a strange way. So let's divide them into groups. Three of the, the gifts are what we call vocal gifts. They are tongues, spoken, interpretation, spoken, and prophecy, spoken. Well, we know that Jesus is the Word, so in a very loose way, they're sort of connected to Jesus. They are gifts of the Spirit, but we see part of the Godhead here. Three other gifts are the messages of wisdom, or the word of wisdom, the messages of knowledge, the word of knowledge, or the distinguishing between spirits, or what we say today is the discerning of spirits. So these are, these are gifts that are to do with our understanding. It's almost like they're revelationary gifts. God shows you something. He gives you a word of knowledge. He gives you a word of wisdom. He enables you to discern the spiritual activity that's going on. We could say these sense knowledges, they might represent the Godhead. So the vocal ones represent Christ. The, the revelation ones represent God the Father. And of course, the three that remain are miraculous powers or miracles, the gift of healing or healings, and the gift of faith. These are action gifts. We could say we see these in action. We see healings. We see, we see miraculous workings. We see the activity of faith as someone steps out in a realm of faith. These could be, these could be given to, as it were, the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always the activator. So one might think, well, God thinks, Jesus says, the Spirit does. We get that picture of creation. 
God, God, God has the vision of a world. Jesus speaks it into being and the Holy Spirit moves upon the waters to create what God wants. Some facts about this, these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit that are ours. The Holy Spirit has come to give them to us. Having received the person of the Holy Spirit into our lives, we can now function in the gifts. Now, some people say, well, which is the most important gift? Well, the most important gift is the one you need at the time. If we need a word of prophecy, there's no good having a gift of healing because we don't need it. Thank God for it, but we don't need it at this minute. You know, and if we need a word of wisdom to know the way forward, well, we probably don't need a gift of faith because we just want the wisdom to be able to walk through it. So all the gifts are of the same standing. The most important one is the one we have at the time. And can I say, because you, you have received the person of the Holy Spirit and he comes with all his gifts, he can manifest any of the gifts he wants to through you. He can operate any one of them. Now, I understand how things work out. Sometimes people move forward in the gift of giving messages in tongues. They, they seem to do it all the time and they feel very confident about it. Some people, they move in the realm of healing and, and it seems that the Holy Spirit uses them more in that. But, I mean... I've known the Lord a long time, and this isn't any way of boasting or saying anything, but I've really functioned uh, to some, a lesser or a greater extent, in all of them. You say, have you? Yes, I've prayed for the sick. I wouldn't say that I've operated in the gift of healing like others have, but I have prayed for people and they have got well. I have discerned spirits. I have had a word of knowledge and I've had a revelation of the wisdom of God. And, and so, so we can operate in all of them, although we do get comfortable with some of them. And so God uses us sometimes more. Someone says, you know, they move in the realm of the prophetic or someone moves in the realm of faith. Or, and so, but they're open to all of us. So I never want you to discount yourself. The gifts come with the Spirit. The Spirit lives within and he can manifest any gift he wants to through any one of us. The Holy Spirit then is invisible. We can't see him. In fact, he doesn't want to be seen. He wants to come and reveal God the Father and the Son to us. But his, he's manifesting himself through the things that he does through you or through other people. So if you see someone laying hands on the sick and that sick person gets well, that is a manifestation of the Spirit. He is there behind the scene manifesting himself in the gift. He's the doer, remember. He does the stuff all the time and he wants to do it through you. These gifts are called the charismatic gifts or the charismata, the grace manifestations, the manifestations of the grace or the love of God. Through them, Christians can minister to one another. They can also minister to the world. Uh, a person with a, a healing ministry, yes, could heal the sick and, and, uh, and someone can discern evil things that are going on. So, but, but by and large, the Spirit comes to minister to the church itself. He, God loves the church first. 
he loves the world but he loves his church he loves his family he loves all but he loves his family and so the spirit of god wants to work amongst us jesus operated in not all of the gifts of the spirit he only operated in seven of them and we can clearly see in scripture the ones he operated in do you remember when he went to the woman at the well in samaria he said that you've you've had five five husbands sorry well how did he know that well he operated by a word of knowledge god the father the holy spirit revealed it to him on another occasion he said it, he knew it wasn't his time to die he did that more than once people come to capture him several times once he walked through the middle of them he knew when his time to die was so he had knowledge he had supernatural wisdom to know certain things we know he discerned evil spirits remember the man who brought his son to Jesus to be delivered and he says the boy would throw himself in the fire and the water and it was it was terrible because when Jesus cast the spirit out we might cast a spirit of I don't know having fits or epilepsy or something he casts out the boy a deaf and a dumb spirit he calls them by name so he must have discerned he didn't discern it from what the man said but the spirit of God discerned it for him we know he healed the sick he prophesied regarding the future of jerusalem we know that he performed miracles he exercised supernatural faith he walked on water that is supernatural the only gifts he didn't operate with were tongues and interpretation jesus never spoke in tongues and he never interpreted now there's a scripture that says we will do greater things than him and right after that it talks about we will do greater things when he goes back to the father some of those greater things that we'll do is to pray for people to receive the gift of tongues to speak in tongues and to interpret tongues so it takes us a little bit beyond so we can do the things that jesus did and a little bit more that verse could also mean a whole lot more than that but i'm just taking it that far this evening and not expanding it any further so you can say oh i i can see that then because jesus didn't speak in tongues or interpret tongues he exercised his gifts both in corporate worship in the synagogue uh, in places of worship but he also exercised the gifts in the marketplace out on the street with people and so if Jesus did it we can do it we can go out into the marketplace and we can use it in everyday life the gifts of the Spirit the third thing I want to say about them is that they are tools and not toys some people exercise the gifts and they feel themselves oh look what I can do I can give a message in tongues I can interpret tongues or I can prophesy no no it's not a toy to be played with it's a tool remember the holy spirit is a doer he gets things done he is the activity part of the godhead and so he comes with tools to give us to get the job done now i, I it's funny talking about the gifts these beautiful gifts of the holy spirit as tools but you'll understand the point that i'm trying to make it's about doing things if you call someone to hang a door on your house 
Would you expect him to bring a bag of tools with him? I think I would. If he didn't come with any tools at all, I'd say, well, how, how are you going to do this? You've got to chisel some things and drill some things and screw some things, I'm sure. So when we come to minister, we have the Holy Spirit within us and he's given us as it were a bag of tools we have these tools on the inside of us to operate by and turning up without them we can't do it properly because the holy spirit wants to enable us to do what it is we have to do now these tools are not products of a natural ability now you can go a long way in the kingdom of god with natural ability that is uh, touched by the Spirit of God uh, in praying is good, a good thing for Christians to do, pray. Uh, to, to read our Bible is a good thing to do, to fast, to give, to, to counsel people. All of that is good, but there is a danger that it flows from the natural ability of man. People train to be Christian counsellors, but really, are they dependent upon the Spirit or simply upon their techniques and the things that they've learned. Now, I'm not criticizing Christian counselors. Please don't, don't take me wrong on this. But see, we need to have all the techniques that come natural, but we need also the supernatural toolkit with us as well to get the job done well. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of a lopsided example here, so be patient with me because I'm, I'm making a point, okay? Imagine you have a problem. Uh, you always feel alone or lonely or cut off. You consider yourself an outsider. No one's really interested in you or, or likes you. You end up rejecting yourself and seeing yourself totally worthless. There are people like that. So you become a Christian and so you go to the minister or you go to a Christian friend who knows nothing, who knows nothing of the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. They know nothing about it. So you explain your problem to them. Their response will always be on a natural level and there's nothing wrong with these responses but they're not good enough on their own. <laughs> they read the scriptures to you and they explain to you, you're not alone, you're loved by God. But this often doesn't quite get to the thing it doesn't deal with the problem just telling them those things they pray to God and ask God to help you well you've been there before and others have prayed for you before but somehow it hasn't done the job they counsel you and encourage you to speak positively to think differently to just you know good good counseling but you've done that as well and it hasn't quite done it so they suggest you go home and fast and pray and seek God, expecting God to do something for you. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but none of them use the gifts of the Spirit that God has given us that we desperately need to get the job done. Listen what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom 
but on God's power. See, for that person, if that was you, to be liberated, to be set free, all that good counsel, and it was good, it's not a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It is wisdom. And there's nothing wrong with wisdom, but we need a demonstration of the Spirit's power. How might this problem be solved using the gifts of the Spirit? Now, let me run through what's a possibility. A person comes and they say, I've got all these problems of loneliness and rejection and insecurity and so on and so forth. So you say, well, we'll get a little group of people together and we'll do some uh, counseling or prayer or ministry, whichever word you wrap it up in. And so you gather together. They say, all right, what we do now, don't, I don't want you to, to tell us what your problems are. We'll simply wait on the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to tell us what your problems are. Now, through a word of knowledge, a person within that group might fully understand what the person's problems are. And with a word of wisdom, how to apply the spiritual uh, answers that God has to that person's life. So we see there the operation of two of the gifts, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. There is obvious, there's some spirit at work here. So with the discerning of spirits, we determine what spirit is that might be troubling that person. Through the ministry of deliverance, which is a miracle, every healing and every work of deliverance is a miracle. It's supernatural. It's not natural at all. We see discerning of spirits and a miracle being worked. The person then is prayed for, for the Holy Spirit, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and they get released in speaking in other tongues. Then the group suggests they have a time of praise and worship because of what God has done in the person's life. In that time, there might be messages in tongues, interpretation of tongues. There might be a word of prophecy. And then finally, at the end of the session, the person who's come with a problem goes home healed and well, set free of that problem. That is the operation of the Spirit. Now, it, it's sort of a, a make-believe situation, but that's happened hundreds and hundreds of times, definitely in, as I've ministered to people, not all of them, but some of them, part of, of those things. So as you sit down to minister to anyone, to, to try and help someone, know that the Spirit is within, you have all these tools available to you, and you need them to do the job. You need a word of wisdom. You need to uh, have maybe a word of knowledge. The, the person is telling you what their, their problem is, but the Holy Spirit wants to show you it's not really this, it's this, and how to deal with the this. And then it might need deliverance, and you might have to operate in the whole area of deliverance, and then all of these things. So we need, we need the gifts of the Spirit to help one another in the body of Christ. Have these gifts been withdrawn from the church? Some churches teach that these gifts don't exist anymore in the church. They've been withdrawn from the church. At the end of the apostolic age, which towards the end of the first century, the, the gifts of the Spirit were removed from the church. Well, I don't believe that's true for one minute. 
and nor would millions of other Christians across the world agree with that either and nor does Paul agree with it because in 1 Corinthians 1 7 he says this you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed Jesus will come again without a shadow of a doubt when Jesus comes again we won't need the gifts anymore that's when the gifts end that's when we won't need them anymore because the father and the son will be in the midst of their church but until that day we keep going we keep being filled with the spirit speaking in tongues and pushing forward to exercise all the gifts of the spirit one or two more facts just before we bring this to a close all these gifts that we receive are by the grace of God you can't earn them all you've got to do is want them that's it if you don't want them it won't be a problem you won't get them because the Word of God and Paul is very clear he says desire earnestly desire them desire the gifts if you don't desire them well you won't probably get them because it takes a step of faith to lay hold of the gifts of the Spirit we receive them by faith all of you can prophesy every one of you who's listening to this or on the podcast or watching me now you can all prophesy Paul says I would that you all prophesy Moses said years and years ago I would that all men would prophesy and so you can prophesy what does it require that you do well you stand up and say I believe the Lord is saying this or you can be even bolder and say the Lord is saying this I'm not arguing one way or the other what you do there okay some people say well it's not right to say thus saith the Lord well all right uh, just learn what your church does or doesn't do but just speak out boldly what you believe God is saying that's what prophecy is the word of the Lord in here the Holy Spirit just pushes it forward and you let it come out speaking in tongues is the same speaking in tongues is the easiest thing to do you can't get it wrong you just speak in tongues you just let it flow from you it, it's usually something that happens in a worship meeting or in a, a fellowship group or a prayer time you say well I'm going to just speak in tongues I'm going to do it and you just say well I just pray there's someone there to interpret but if there's not well I'll just jump in the deep end and I'll I'll interpret it as well so we have to move we have to move in it it doesn't happen around us it happens because we we want it to happen you say well I'm not good enough uh, my life isn't holy enough or pure enough well we are holy because God has made us holy he has separated us your life will never be perfect don't worry about it it can be but just assume that it never will be don't worry about it uh, but you are good enough the Holy Spirit has made you good enough through the blood of Christ you're good enough so it's individually we decide if our church exercises the gifts of the Spirit now I understand in corporate worship the leadership determines the direction of the church I get that but there's a whole lot going on beside the corporate meeting on a Sunday 
Imagine if you all wanted to start exercising the gifts of the Spirit and you did it in your day-to-day -day activity. You did it when you met with people. You did it when you prayed with people. You started moving in prophecy and tongue and interpretation and you opened yourself up to the Spirit. You couldn't bottle it. You couldn't keep a cap on it. It would just flow in the fellowship. So don't blame anyone that you're not exercising the gifts of the Spirit. It's down to each individual to push forward and want to do it. We need to cultivate a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Remember in one of our earlier talks, he comes as a dove. Uh, he gently settles. He represents peace. So we move with a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. As I said, when we pass from this world to the next, we won't take our gifts with us into the hall where Christ is. We leave our gifts at the door. What you take with you when you stand before the Lord are the three virtues, faith, hope and love. You can't present a gift to the Lord because a gift is what God gave you. So get using them quick because you haven't got long to go and I've got less to go than some of you so I'm going to keep using my gifts as long as I can keep going and keep exercising them but you've got to start somewhere exercising if you haven't started already. The exercising of the spiritual gifts gives no indication of your personal character. You say well no you've got to be a good person for God to use the gift through you no you haven't there are some terrors out there that are exercising the gifts of the holy spirit remember that passage in matthew 7 i think it's 7 where he said we did all these miracles in your name we 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 cast out demons in your name we did many miracles it says in your name and he says depart from me because the way in which you were doing them was not acceptable to me and it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we can exercise all the gifts, but we can do it without love. Without love, we can still exercise all of these gifts. God does not take the gift back because we misuse it. If God could take it back, it wouldn't be a gift. It would be something on loan. But the Bible's very clear that he's gifted you gifted you and so he won't take the gift back from you even if you misuse it when you receive the holy spirit into yourself the person of the spirit he does come with his toolbox he comes with it and so he can function potentially any of these gifts through you and Christ-honouring Christians, we need to learn this church, not, I'm not talking of you people, but a number of the church, Christ-honouring Christians are not known by the use of the tools they use, but by the fruit of the Spirit that's within. We're going to learn next week about the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and, and the gifts of the Spirit. But you see someone suggested it's a bit like a, a Christmas tree that God hangs baubles on Christmas trees instantaneously but the fruit of the Spirit grows on a fruit tree and it takes years 
for the fruit to develop at the end of the branches but at Christmas time you put the bauble on the end of the branches in a second so in some ways the the gifts of the spirit are given to us and we can demonstrate them in our lives but the fruit of the spirit is something more that's born out of our lives I want to see people operating in the gifts but more than that I want to see the fruit in their character which is more vital and more important to God. You've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope today's teaching on the Holy Spirit has inspired you in your walk with God and that you continue to grow as you learn his word. If you would like to partner with Arise Ministry, you can head on over to our website at ariseministry.org.uk where you can make a secure online donation. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.